Today I want to bring two gifts for you, two early Christmas presents uh, that you can receive. They're two words that the angels first brought, and they're two words, glory and peace. Everybody say glory. Glory. Oh, you got to say a little better than that. Glory. Glory. All right, and peace. 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 Hallelujah. Uh, it's Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Luke 2, 14, you can open up your Bibles. The angels said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels said these, and these are apostolic words, they're foundational Uh, They were actually, uh, similar words were repeated at the end of Jesus' life when Jesus came in on the donkey at the triumphal entry. Luke 19, verse 36 says this, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Glory and peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. I want to give you glory and peace, and I want the word of God that you would receive God's glory and peace afresh. Before we look at glory and peace, I really want us to look afresh with fresh eyes on the context in which this came. It is the reason we celebrate Christmas, and this Christmas Uh, story is a historical story. This actually happened. There's so many fictitious stories around Christmas. You got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty and Santa, but all those are just cartoons and fun stories. This is the story of Jesus Christ, which actually happened when God, the eternal God, stepped foot on earth to a real place on a real land over in Bethlehem. You can go and visit yourself. You can walk on the very ground where Jesus, the eternal God, was laid as a baby and grew up as a man and walked on this earth. And it's Dr. Luke who wrote it down. There were uh, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all record the birth of Jesus and the historicity, the historicity of the birth of Jesus. But I love Luke. Luke describes it in great detail. You got Luke chapter 1, which really sets up the whole thing. You have two angelic uh, visitations where the angel Gabriel first comes to Elizabeth, Elizabeth's Mary's sister, and uh, Elizabeth gets visited by the angel Gabriel and hears that she's going to have a child, and that child is John the Baptist. And then the same angel Gabriel visits Mary, Mary a virgin, a virgin. This angel tells this virgin, you will carry the Son of God. Whoa. And uh, she received the word of the Lord. She sings a song. It's awesome. Mary visits Elizabeth, her sister, and they both have child in their womb. And when Mary gets close, 
the child within Elizabeth jumps with joy. It's so exciting. And then uh, John the Baptist is born. John the Baptist is a baby, and the baby gives a blessing to God. I would have loved to have seen that, that, to hear a baby speak a word of blessing. We were just saying about blessing. But then um, you get to Luke 2, and the birth of Jesus Christ. And you get this uh, great detail of what's happening surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 1 says that Caesar Augustus uh, decreed that in the land everyone should be registered. So there was a census. And Quirinius, verse 2, the governor of Syria, says everybody must go and be registered. And you get Joseph, who is from Nazareth, that has to go to Bethlehem to register and to uh, come and, and say, I am here. And so he travels with Mary to go to Bethlehem. And this is to fulfill the prophecy, the prophecy in Micah chapter 5 that said that the Savior would come and be born in Bethlehem. And I just love that. I mean, just the sovereignty of God. He chose somebody from Nazareth and he brings them to Bethlehem to uh, have the baby born in Bethlehem. He uses a governor in this Caesar Augustus who, who said all this. And then in verse 6, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She was pregnant. She was ready. She couldn't hold back the baby any longer. And then verse 7, And she gave birth to her first son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the end. What an incredible story, the amazing plan of God. God, eternal God, planned for this one day in history. And he planned it in a way, and it happened in a way that we would never write a story like this. I mean, if you were going to have a king come in and have God show up, you would have him born in an awesome place, in a palace, in a kingdom, and he would, it would all make sense to us. But oh, how God writes a story that is different than the way that we would write it. And many of us have experienced 2020 And maybe we would write the story a little differently. But we can trust that God is in control. And he is in control of all things. And he's writing the story even now. None of this is happening by accident. None of this slipped past God. God knew that there would be coronavirus in 2020 and that we'd all be wearing masks. And maybe it's not the way we would write this story, but God's got the story. He's got it in control. Then you get to verse 8, and it's amazing. Uh, There were shepherds in the region, out in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. Luke 2, verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were filled with great fear. So you got these shepherds, and I love it that out of all the people that this angel, perhaps the same angel that visited Elizabeth and Mary, the angel Gabriel, shows up to these shepherds. And of all people, shepherds, common people, the blue collar, the normal. He didn't come to the, the rich. He didn't come to the governor, the Caesar. He came to the shepherds who were watching over their flock at night and at nighttime. And it said that they were filled with great fear. Uh, you see this throughout the Bible. Whenever anybody encounters an angel, whoa, you know, and the glory of the Lord was all around them. They were filled with fear. And then the angel replies to them, and uh, it's just an incredible thing that the angel says to them. First, he says, fear not. Uh, angels often have to tell people not to be afraid. I mean, uh, don't be afraid. I'm a good angel. Like, I, I, I'm not going to kill you on the spot. I, don't be afraid. Fear not. For behold, open up your eyes. Behold. And then he says, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news. That's the uh, Greek word, euangelion, evangelism. We all are to evangelize. We're all to bring good news with great joy and of great joy. This good news will bring joy to all people. You may not be feeling joy. You may be sad, but I'm telling you, you can encounter joy yeah. through the good news. And we can all share good news with joy with great joy that will be for all people, not just for some people, not for certain ethnicities, not for certain classes, for all people, all nations, all languages, all tongues, all tribes, all people. And then it says, verse 11, for unto you is born this day, a day in history, it happened one time, 2,020 years ago, a real moment of history this day in the city of David. And then it gives three words to Jesus, describes them. First, a Savior. Second, Christ. Third, Lord. A Savior. His name shall be called Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Savior of the world. He is Jesus. We all need a Jesus. Amen. We all have sinned. We all have a need for a Savior. If you don't appreciate the Christmas season, if you don't listen to these words and are filled with awe, like you must have some self-righteous thing like, oh, I'm good enough. No, if you see that you are sinful and are in need of a Savior, you will love Christmas and you love this story. This story should be like going to the beach. I mean, we all have been to the beach before, but oh, it's good to go again. Uh, the, the best beach vacation is the one that you're on at right now. So too, Christmas, every season ought to be like, yes, 
Jesus has been born. Jesus came. A Savior. Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one that Micah prophesied about in Micah chapter 5. He is Christ, the anointed one, and he is Lord. He is sovereign. He is the one who was there at the beginning of time. Yes, this almighty God who was the word, who has, he, he has always been, he always is, and he is to come. He is the almighty God. He is Lord. He's in control of all things. That shows the uh, divinity of this child. And then you get the divinity of Jesus. And then verse 12, you get the humanity of Jesus. Verse 12 says this, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby this God, this Lord, the one that was in heaven, came down. He humbled himself. He humbled himself, became a baby, said, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in, on a manger. And then verse 13 says, this is awesome. This one angel is all of a sudden joined by thousands of angels in verse 13. There was with the angel a multitude, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying these words, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Glory and peace. In the moments remaining, I want to give you these words, glory and peace. First, I want you to see the glory of God. Everybody throughout the Bible, God wants to reveal his glory. He loves showing his glory. In Exodus 16, in Exodus 24, the Israelites saw the glory of God. And 2 Chronicles 7 is one of my favorites when Solomon prays and it says the glory of God filled the temple. It was like smoke and the glory of God. Nobody could touch the glory of God or go near the glory of God because it was so special. God wants us to see the glory of God. Psalm 137 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. When we see a sunset, when we go to the beach, we see the glory of God. He wants to reveal his glory afresh. But Jesus is the one that really reveals the glory of God. Uh, it says this in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father. Jesus tore the veil. Amen. Jesus provides access so that when we see Jesus, we see the glory of God and the glory of the Father. Jesus is the begotten God. So when we see Jesus, we see the glory of God. Amen. 
God wants to reveal to you afresh his glory, his power, his holiness. God not only wants us to see the glory, but this is an incredible thing. He wants his glory to rest on you. He, you know, we're often like this to the glory, but he says, no, let me shine my glory on you. I want you to see this. In Psalm 3, 3, it says, you, O Lord, are a shield about me, you are the lifter of my head and my glory. And then in Psalm 8, 5, it says this. It says, you made people a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. I want you to receive the crowning of God with glory and honor. Many of you may feel insignificant. Many of you feel like, why am I here on earth? Does my life really mean anything? Do I really have significance? God wants to crown you with glory. And he wants to say, yes, Don Thomas, you have significance. You see, each of us have been made in the image of God. That's what it says in Genesis 1. We are all made to reflect his glory. And we'll get to this, but we are all to have his glory shine on us so that we may glorify God in this world, so that we may be able to give God glory. John 17, 22, Jesus says this, this is amazing. He's praying for the church. He's praying for us today, John 17. And he says this, He's talking to the Father. He says, the glory that you have given me. So he's talking to the Father. Jesus is saying, God, you, Father, have given me glory. But then he prays this prayer. I have given to them. He's wanting to give you the glory. He wants you to receive it. And then it says that they may be one even as we are one. You see, we are to receive the glory and then give the glory back to God. And that's really where we we end by giving God the glory. In Psalm 115.1, not to us, O God, but to your name be the glory. Your name. And Matthew 5.16 says this, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Each of you have good works to do. God's glory rests on you. God made you uniquely. He gifted you all uniquely no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are. You can give glory to God. God has good works for you, Webb Sanders, to do to glorify God the Father. God has good works for you, Andre Debsky. Let your light shine before men that they may glorify God in heaven. May we do good works. Why? To glorify God. God's glory. We want to see it. 
We want to celebrate his glory. We want to let the glory rest on us. And then we get to do good works so that we can glorify God in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. Let's say it together. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. And peace. Peace. Peace on those. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. God loves to give peace. We just sang the blessing and it ends with peace. Peace. It's throughout the scriptures. Isaiah 9, 6. He shall be called Prince of Peace. Jesus is our peace. John 14, 27. Jesus prayed this. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Many of us need to hear this word today. Many of us are filled with fear, anxiety. I mean, 2020 could be high on anxiety list. I mean, out of all the years... I think uh, anxiety and depression is at an all-time high in the U.S. Uh, There's real things to be anxious about, real things to be fearful. But Jesus wants to give peace, peace. God wants to give peace in three ways. He wants to give you peace. First, he wants to give you peace with himself. Vertical peace. We all have need for peace with God. Why? Because we have all offended God. We have all done things that have been hurtful to God. We have all sinned. We call it sin. Sin is an offense against God and it disrupts peace with God. But Jesus came to restore that peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20 says, And through him, Jesus, to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It's only through Jesus' blood on the cross that we can have peace with God. You see, if um, Javier and Dan right here, (laughs) if they were to get in a fight right now, okay? Now, that would be quite the sight to see. But let's just imagine them standing up, duking it out, and Dan just lays a big one right on Javier, and he's knocked out on the ground. And then all of a sudden, Dan is feeling convicted. And Dan's like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I, I really, I did, Dan, I did Javier wrong. He's bleeding from the mouth. Like, uh, I really should not have knocked him out. And then he goes over to Javier and he says, Javier, will you forgive me? And Javier's like looking up like this, just blood out of his mouth. And uh, 
then I come down from the stage and I say, Dan, I know Javier can't forgive you and he doesn't want to forgive you and he really wants to get up and knock you in the face, but I forgive you. How would you receive that? Probably not. No, you want to hear Javier say, uh, I forgive you because you offended him. You didn't offend me. My forgiveness doesn't mean a thing. But Javier is the one who was offended. Javier is the one that needs to give forgiveness. So too we. We have all offended God. We have done things that are wrong against God. And only God can give us forgiveness. I can't receive forgiveness from my dad. I can't receive forgiveness. Nobody else can forgive me for offending God. Only God can forgive me. I need a savior. Every one of us needs a savior. It says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all offended God, so there's a disconnect, there's, there's hardship, but Jesus by his blood, Jesus God himself came to forgive you. He was knocked on his back, so to speak, but he has forgiven you. He says, I forgive you. And we all need fresh peace. I was so glad on Wednesday night we had an incredible time beholding the glory of God in prayer, but God led us to repentance. And God revealed to me my own sin. I realized that I've been seeing sin in other people. I see sin in my children. I see sin in my spouse. I see sin in the world and the media and all this stuff and I see sin in others but then all of a sudden God shined the spotlight on me and I saw God I'm sinful and he used that Isaiah 1:18. though your sins are red like scarlet they shall be white as snow we all can receive peace for, to God and it's it's in doing that that we would love, this is why I love, it was like Christmas hit me again. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, dying on the cross for me, not for others. For me, I'm in need of salvation. I'm the worst of sinners. I need a Savior, Christ the Lord. Peace with God. He not only gives us peace with God, but then he gives us peace with ourselves. Peace in our hearts, peace in our minds. I love Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, do not be anxious. He says the same words that the angels said to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious about anything. Nothing. Do not be anxious about coronavirus. Do not be anxious about jobs, finances, children. Do not be anxious about, there's nothing that we should be anxious for. And then it says, Pray, give thanks, supplication. And then it gives us this promise in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus can give you peace. He can, 
the, the circumstances may not change. You may have all the reasons, and this is why it says surpasses understanding. You may have many reasons why you should be anxious. You could fill pages and pages. This is why I'm fearful. This is why I'm fearful. This is why I'm fearful. But God says that it's surpa- the peace of God can surpass all those reasons. And it can guard, it can guard you, your heart, your heart, your emotions inside, and your mind. It can give you peace to sleep at night. It was a couple weeks ago, my daughter Hannah, who's six years old, she was crying out in her bed at night. She was supposed to be asleep. I thought she was asleep. She was crying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I came in with her. I laid with her. I said, what's the matter, dear? And she said, Daddy, I have so much to do tomorrow. (laughs) It's like, my goodness, what's going on in first grade these days? Like, man. I felt like saying, you think you have a lot to do tomorrow. Uh, But this was a sincere worry she had. She, she had a lot to do the next day. She had digital learning, and I mean, I didn't have to do digital learning when I was in first grade, but she did this week, and it was stressful for her. It was a lot of work, and it was keeping her up, keeping her up. So I said, oh, honey, let's, let's pray together. Let's ask Jesus what he has to say about tomorrow. We do this often together. We, we wait in silence and ask Jesus to speak. Well, she said, um, oh, Daddy, we've done that before. And Jesus just talks to me in my head. He just gives me thoughts. I said, yeah, that's, that's right. That's one of the ways that he talks. He gives you good thoughts. You know, when you have bad thoughts of hitting your brother or yelling, like, those didn't come from Jesus. So we want to pray more so you get good thoughts. Well, so then we paused and we prayed and we said, Jesus, speak, speak. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gave her a picture. He said, Daddy, God gave me a picture. And it said, it was of Jesus holding up a sign to her. And it said, you got this. It changed her perspective on the whole thing. You mean, nothing changed about her circumstances. She still had to do digital learning the next day, but it changed her perspective. And then God kept speaking to her, and, and I shared what I, what I heard her say. Oh, Daddy, I said the same thing to me. And when I left, she was giggling, and, I, and she said, Daddy, he's still speaking to me. It was an amazing thing. You see... The circumstances didn't change for her, but Jesus showed up, and the peace of God came. And I want to encourage you, no matter what reasons you have to be fearful, no matter what chaos is going around you, I want to encourage you to invite Jesus into that chaos. Let him speak. Let him show you a picture It won't be the same picture that he gave my daughter. It'll be one unique for you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard you. And then God wants to not only give you peace in your own heart, he wants to give you peace with others. He wants you to live at peace with your spouse, 
to live at peace with your parents, to live at peace with your teacher, to live at peace with your neighbor who drives you nuts, to live at peace with your coworker. You see, 2020 has brought a lot of uh, anger, hatred. Oh, they vote differently. They got a sign up in their yard that I don't like at all. Like, uh, or you name it. It's this social distancing. Oh, they shouldn't wear masks. They should wear masks. What's it? It's like all this anger. God wants you to live at peace. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Romans 12, 18, Paul gives this. He says, he admonishes them, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Not with some people. If it possible, as it depends on you, it's up to you. It's not on the other person. It's you. You have control. Live at peace with all. Invite Jesus to give his peace. So would you receive? Would you receive afresh today? Receive the glory of God. Let the glory of God shine on you. Let it not only shine on you, let it rest on you. That you may give glory to God in increasing measure over this Christmas season. And may the peace of God come into your life, no matter what circumstance you have, no matter what's keeping you up at night. I've had several sleepless nights. Allow Jesus to come in and give you peace. In fact, I just want to pause right now and let's invite the peace of God. Lord, all around this room, would you manifest your presence? Would you speak, Lord? Would you give a word? Would you give a revelation to people all around here? Lord, would you give a picture, God, Change, the circumstance may not change. The pandemic's not going to go away immediately. But God, you can change our perspective. You can change our minds and our hearts. We can live at, in peace, a supernatural peace. Man can try to change things, but we need you, God. We invite you in. Change our perspective, Lord. Manifest your peace. Prince of peace, give us your peace, Lord. And as the uh, worship team comes and leads us in a final song, I just want to invite anybody here who does not have peace with God. You recognize I've done a lot of things wrong. You know, yesterday we had a memorial service for one of the best ladies I've ever met, Lois Calver. She was the kindest, sweetest. I, and one of her granddaughters said, I never heard a curse word come out of her mouth. I mean, she was, she was always, oh, pastor, I love you. You're such a great pastor. And she'd look up at me. Are you getting taller, pastor? 
and I'm thinking, no, you're getting shorter, but sweeter all the time. You're so sweet. I mean, if there was one person who I would question original sin, it was Lois. I mean, she was incredible. But it was said at the memorial yesterday, as great as she was, she needed a savior. When she died, she wasn't getting into heaven because of what she did. She got into heaven because she put her faith in Jesus, who is Savior. Is he your Savior? Do you have peace with God? I just want to lead you in a prayer right now. If you do not have peace with God, if you're trying to get to heaven based on your own merits, you're, you're not. You've fallen short. You've done an offense. But you can receive his forgiveness right now. Just pray this prayer with me in your own heart. Father God, thank you for Jesus who came as God to save me from my sin. I received the blood of Jesus to wash away my sin today. And I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Amen.